So Judges chapter 6. All right, y'all ready? It says, the people of Israel did, was, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Everybody say, uh-uh. And the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. Israel. All right, let's take some notes real quick. First thing I want us to come right out of the gate here is that following God's ways is for your protection, not your restriction. Following God's ways is for your protection, not your restrictions. The beginning of this, we see that Israel, right out of the gate, is doing things that are evil in the sight of the Lord. And as a response to them not following God's ways, God pulls back his covering from them and gives them over to the Midianites. The Midianites take them over for the next seven years. But I'm here to tell you today that following God's way is not about restriction. It's about protection. How many of you have kids in here? Raise your hand. How many of you, when you tell your kids, don't go play out in the street, that's not so they don't have fun. That's so they don't die. Any of y'all know that? I I tell my kids all the time when they want to go out and they, they love going down our long driveway and they know when there's a concrete barrier here that the road starts, they can't go past that unless they ask me and I'm outside with them. And when they want to kind of disobey, we go back out there and we find one of those flattened squirrels and I show them this will be you if you want to continue to disobey dad. That as parents, we don't put rules on our kids for restriction. We put rules on our kids for protection, right? No, you cannot eat candy until midnight because I will be dealing with the throw up that you do all throughout the night. There are certain restrictions that we put on our kids, not because we don't love them, but because we do love them. And the same is with God's word and the way that God calls us to live. And God tells us there's certain ways that I want you to do things. And if you follow my lead, you'll have the blessings of God. If you look at the children of Israel, God's told them, if you just do what I tell you to do, you will always have the blessings of God on your life. But if you don't, (laughs) you better watch out. And so we see in this verse right out of the gate that these guys do something. They do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. And God gives them into the hands of the Midians for seven years. And the hand of the Midians overpowered Israel. Oftentimes, God tells us this is the certain way that I want you to do things because how many know God sees things that we don't see? How many know that we can see to the top of the hill, but God sees over the hill? We can see to the corner, but God sees around the corner. How many know God's ways are higher than our ways? And so when God says, I want you to do it this way, how many know he's doing it because he sees something you don't see? Right. And so I I, I can only imagine for the Israelites how many years God was protecting them because they were doing things the way that God wanted them to do it. And now they decided to do it in their own way. And uh oh, now they've been taken over. I wonder how many times God has saved us from things in our own lives. And we never even realized it because we were following in his ways. He was saving us and protecting us from things that we didn't even realize. And now as they step outside of the covering of God, you see that something begins to happen in their life. The Midians take over them. Now the Midians, if you go and you read throughout verses 2 all the way through verse 6, you're going to see that these Midianites are not good guys. They go in and they burn all of their fields. They kill all of their cattle. Every time they would go to produce something, the Midianites would come in and steal it from you. That would be like you going to Walmart, spending all this money for your groceries, and you're walking out and someone robs you every week. That's what the Midianites did all the time. And they oppressed the children of Israel all because they did not follow God's way. How many know God's ways work? 
And for those that are not following God's ways work, as Clay Key says it, how's it going for you? Most of us would agree following our ways doesn't really work too well. And as you can see with the Israelites, it doesn't work too well for them. And so I want you to see what happens when they begin to follow in their own ways. Notice how long they're under the Midianites. Seven years. For seven years, the Midianites are ruling them. Killing their cattle. Taking all of their produce. Taking everything from them. Seven years. And finally, in the seventh year, look what happens in verse 6. And it says, And Israel was brought... What does it say? Very low. Because of Midian... And the people of Israel, now what did they do? (laughs) They cried out for help to the Lord. And when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites. So here we are finally, seven years of oppression, seven years of the Midianites doing all of this to the people. And finally it says they were brought so low that they cried out to the Lord. I want you to write this down. We love God changing our circumstances more than God changing us. They got to a place where they were tired of their circumstances, tired of the way that things were going on in their life. And so guess what? They came to church finally. (laughs) They showed up at church after seven years and cried out to God and said, God, we can't take this anymore. We need you to deliver us from all this. And how many know we love for God to change our circumstances way more than we love him changing us? And we see this in this scripture that he brings them very low. But here's what I've learned is that God can use bad things to become good things. How many know anything that's bad in our lives that drives us to Jesus is a good thing? That, That divorce that happened that you just absolutely crushed you, but it led you to the church, which led you to a place that you met Jesus. How many know that was a good thing? That financial wreckage where you didn't have a job for seven months and you didn't know what you were going to do and you just came to the Lord and said, God, I don't know what to do. And then you saw seven months of God providing for you. How many know that was a good thing? How many know a flood that is the second biggest catastrophic event in history in the United States can still be a good thing? We've seen more good things come out of a bad thing. And oftentimes in our bad situations or our bad things, our prayer is, God, change this, change this. God, help us. God, save this. God's... And God's going, uh-uh. You know why? Because that thing is drawing you to me. Why would I want to get rid of that thing? Because that thing's bringing you to me. And if I got rid of that thing, you'd stop coming to me. Y'all with me? So sometimes God allows some bad things to happen because they become good things. Now, I want you to notice what happens when they cry out to God and how God responds to them. So they're crying out to God. That's a good thing about God. I mean, I'm you glad that when you do cry out to God, God answers. He does. And he answers. Thank God that he's faithful even when we're not faithful. Seven years, they were unfaithful. You know what God was doing? Waiting. He was just waiting. And watch and see what happens in Judges chapter 6, verse 8. It says, now watch this. So they're praying, God, deliver us. And in verse 8 it says, and the Lord sent what? (laughs) Sent a prophet to the people of Israel. So they're praying for a deliverer and God sends them a person. Now watch what this prophet does. And the prophet says to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all of you who oppressed you. And you drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord, your God, and you shall not fear the gods of the Amorites and those in, in whose land you dwell. So he's reminding them 
God did all this. God brought you out of 400 years of Egypt. God brought you out of all this place. God delivered you. God gave you great land. And then the last verse. But you have what? Not obeyed my voice. See, here's the issue. They want deliverance. And God helps them see that the Midianites are not the problem, though. The problem is not with the Midianites. How many know sometimes the problem we think is the problem is not really the problem? They think that the problem is the Midianites and God needs to come and fix the Midianites. And God's going, the Midianites are not the problem. They're just a byproduct of the real problem because the real problem is you. That's the real problem that we see that's going on. We often want God to be a need meter. God, meet my needs, meet my needs. But I mean, you know, God oftentimes will come and just assess what you need. And sometimes he won't give you what you need. He'll give you what you, not give you what you want, but he'll give you what you really need. And in this situation, we see that these people are praying for deliverance. And they're getting upset with God because he's not delivering and working on the problem that they think he should be working on. And God tells them, man, listen, I'm working on the problem, but the problem that I'm working on is not the problem that you think it is the problem because the real problem is you. Because here's what would happen if God were to go and deliver them of the Midianites, but not fix their hearts, which was far from the Lord. How many know just years down the road, they would run from the Lord and it would be all over again. So what God does is instead of saying, I'm going to deliver you from the Midianites, he says, I'm going to fix you. And I, and I find this so incredible of what, how God works this way. Because how many of you know we want God to fix the problem, but we don't realize oftentimes that we're the problem? We get angry about everything that's going on around us, but God is wanting you to know the problem's not outside of you. The problem is inside of you. The problem that you get so angry at work, you think it's a bad boss. Well, the question is, it may be a bad boss, but it's just revealing the anger that's inside of you. And so guess what God does? In his loving kindness, he lets you stay with a bad boss. Because he's more concerned about your character than he is about your comfort. And so he's after your character. And so he puts characters in your way to bring out the character in you. And this is what God does in this situation is he gives the Israelites over to the Midianites for the Midianites to oppress the Israelites, but for the Israelites to see the problem is not with the Midianites. The problem is that they've been disobeying God. I can't tell you how many phone calls I've had over the past couple of weeks with people asking me to pray for them with their finances. And here's the very first question that I asked them. So if you're going to call me about your finances, I'll go ahead and give you a sneak peek of what I'm going to ask you. I asked them this. Are you honoring God with your finances first? What do you mean by that? Well, the Bible commands for us to tithe a portion of our proceeds to God and that if we would do that, that everything else that we have would be blessed. And so, the, and so I asked them, are you tithing? And they go, well, and then I go, well, then I can't help you. Because I would be asking God to bless you when you're not blessing him. And why would God bless you if you're not blessing him? There's a curse on your money right now until you understand that that first has to honor God. And then when it honors God, then God can give you more. Pastor Josh, that's really good. You're preaching now. I'm just telling you right now. So why would God bless you with more money if you don't honor him with the very little money you got right now? Y'all see what I'm saying? And, but but we, we come and go, God, save my marriage. Well, here's my, here's my question. Does your marriage honor God? 
Well, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, are you you coming to church? You getting plugged in? Or are you getting devoted? Are you becoming the man that God wants you to be? Well, well, then why would God fix your marriage if both of you guys are a wreck? Let God fix you so He can fix your marriage. Y'all with me here? But we're more concerned with God fixing the circumstances than we are with God fixing us. So God, fix my boss. Don't fix me. I'm good. He's the he's the jerk. God, fix my wife. She's the problem. I'm not the problem. She's the problem. That's how it happens. We, we pray and we ask God for good things, but we don't pray for God to make us who he wants us to be. And so that's why we say that we love God changing our circumstances more than God changing us. Now, here's the cool thing, though, in all of this. As God is talking through the prophet, so he sends a prophet to the children of Israel to tell them this. Here's the really cool thing about God. As he's doing that, on the other side, he is sending an angel to go talk to the person who's going to be the answer to the prayers that they're asking for. So they're praying and asking God to deliver them, and God is going to go on the other side and send an angel to talk to a guy named Gideon. We'll get to him in just a minute. But here's the thing about all this. They have no idea that the answer is on the way. So they're over here praying, God, deliver us, deliver us, deliver us. They send a prophet to tell them, hey, we need to deal with you. But while that's going on, God is sending an angel over here to talk to Gideon to convince Gideon to be the answer to their problems. And how many know sometimes when we're talking to God about our problems, sometimes God is working even when we don't hear that he's working and we don't know that he's working, he's still working. Yeah. Right? Let me ask you this question. What, how would you praise God differently if you knew that the answer to your prayers was coming your way soon? But how many know God doesn't give you a deadline on that and he doesn't tell you when it's going to happen? Right? How many know you wish you could know next week you're going to get the job that you've really been praying for and you've been praying for three months about it and it's coming next week? How many would like to say, God, could you fill me in on that one? This week would be a lot less stressful, wouldn't it? If you knew next week you're going to get a phone call that was going to alleviate all this, how many know you would live and walk differently this week knowing that the answer is coming next week, right? You would. So we need to know that even when God is silent, even when we feel like God is not answering us, God is working and God is doing something even when you can't see it. He's always working. He's always doing something. He's always either working in us or he's working out the situation so that he can get more glory. There's something always happening where he's working behind the scenes. And so we see this as he goes and he talks to Gideon. Let's look in verse 11. So now on the other side is an angel. So the prophet's talking to the children of Israel, and now an angel is on the other side, and the angel is talking to Gideon. It says, Now the angel, verse 11, of the Lord came and sat underneath the terabith at Ophrah. That's maybe where Oprah got a name. I don't know. <laughs> Which belonged to Joash, the Ab- Abzerite, while his son Gideon, now watch this, was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, now watch this, this is so crucial. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. So the Midianites have killed all the cattle, they've burned all the fields, and somehow uh, Gideon is in a place where the Midianites have not gotten to it yet, and he's hiding away in the wine press, and he's uh, threshing wheat. And an angel comes to the Lord, I mean, comes to Gideon and says, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. 
Now, you're going to see in just a minute, but Gideon is hiding. And notice what the angel calls him. Mighty man of valor. Now, Gideon is not a mighty warrior. Actually, Gideon is a farmer. I would have thought he would have called him and said, Oh, Gideon, mighty farmer. (laughs) I mean, that's a little more fitting, right? I mean, he's not a man of war. He's not a man of valor. He's a man of wheat. Oh, Mr. Wheat, man of the wheat. I mean, something that would have seemed a little more fitting, but yet... The angel shows up and says, the Lord's with you, O mighty man of valor. Somebody's lying. Either he's lying or the angel's lying. Somebody's lying here. Because how many know the angel names him the exact opposite of the way he's behaving? Does he look like a man of valor? He's hiding. Threshing wheat. And the angel comes in and calls him, O mighty man of valor. But could it be that the angel saw a man of valor inside of Gideon. Let me, let me give you your next note if you're taking some notes. God wants you to see you the way he sees you. God wants you to see you the way he sees you. There's a certain way that God sees you, and God sees Gideon as a mighty man of valor, and God is almost trying to introduce Gideon to a new Gideon. Hey, Gideon, meet Gideon, man of valor. I know you're Gideon, scaredy cat farmer. This is Gideon, man of valor. I want to introduce you to him. This is the man who you've been called to be. The old Gideon, you're running and hiding. The new Gideon is fearless. The old Gideon was afraid. The new Gideon was not. And how many know that God always knows there's always a gap between the way I think about me and the way he thinks about me? Have you all realized that God thinks of you way differently than you think about yourself? And... In this text, we see that God thinks very differently of Gideon than Gideon thinks about himself. Oh, mighty man of valor. I I would have been in there and have been like, you talking to me? (laughs) Who else is in here? Have you ever noticed that all throughout Scripture, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, God is always trying to convey to his people how much he values them and how much they have value to him? All throughout the Old Testament... You see Jesus saying that you will be blessed. You will be the head, not the tail. You see, you see these descriptions of you will be blessed and not cursed. You will be above and not beneath. And then you go into the New Testament and then God says you are the salt, that you are the light. Then you go into Peter and he says you are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen generation. You are a peculiar people. God is constantly wanting you and I to see ourselves as he sees us. But oftentimes, how I many you know the enemy wants to portray something differently, that we see ourselves in a different way. And so God shows up on the scene, sends an angel to remind Gideon that this is who you are. You are a mighty man of valor. And the way that Gideon responds addresses something. Now, I want you to see how Gideon responds here in verse 14. In verse 14, Gideon says this, it says, And now the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. So he's going to give them an assignment. You're going to go and save the children of Israel. You're going to go and defeat all of the Midians. And watch what Gideon's response is to this. And he said to him, to the angel, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is what? 
is the what? Is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. My wife introduced me to a message the other day, and this guy said this line in this message that I have not been able to stop thinking about. And he said this, he said, you will always behave in a way that is consistent with how you see yourself. You will always behave in a way that is consistent with how you see yourself. How many know that Gideon felt completely adequate to be threshing wheat in a wine press? He was good at that. He is the master thresher. I'm good at this. I can thresh some wheat. And how many know that if you've been serving God long enough, how many know God loves taking you out of your comfort zone? So he's like, oh, you like threshing wheat, eh? How about being a mighty man of valor? <laughs> no, I'm pretty good here. I can thresh some wheat some more. I'm all right. I'm, I'm totally fine with threshing wheat over here in the little wine press. I'm totally fine over here. And God says, no, 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 no. Listen, you're a mighty man of valor. And we always behave in a way, in the way that we see ourselves. And so if we see ourselves as inferior, if we see ourselves as inadequate, how many know we're going to only do things that are inferior and inadequate? And so Gideon sees that in himself. And God says, no, 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 no. You're, you're, you're going to come out of this and I want you to lead. And you, you notice what the response is from Gideon, though. He says, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest. So he's going like, do you know my mama? Have you met my mama? Have you met the crazy uncle on my dad's side? That's like, that's my family. And you think we're going to do something? I mean, I am not only in the clan that is the weakest, but I'm also the least in my father's house. I'm the youngest. I'm the smallest. I'm the dumbest. I'm the whatever you put that est in. That's what he thinks he is. And yet God says, nope, you're mine. And you're going to lead an army. And you're going to be the answer to these people over here. And so while God is sending a, a prophet to go tell Israel about their problems, he is now addressing Gideon and telling him that he's going to be the solution to their problems. And he's got to convince the answer to be the answer. He's got to convince Gideon, you've got to be the answer. They're waiting on you. And yet he is so insecure about who he is. Because he doesn't see himself as how God sees him. He sees himself as he sees him. And he sees himself as the weakest. He sees himself at the least. How many of you would be honest in here and you say at times... You feel like maybe God's calling you to do something and you don't feel equipped to do all that God's calling you to do. Anybody in here? If you haven't, just hang out with God a little longer. He'll tell you like to walk on water. Maybe not you, but he told Peter. He didn't give any, instru uh, any instructional DVD on how to do it. He said, just walk. How many know God will call us to do some things that doesn't even make sense? Because he just wants to see if we'll obey. We'll just want to see if we're going to step out. And, and his response to how God calls him reveals this insecurity, this feeling of being unqualified. And you will always behave in a way that is consistent with how you see yourself. So if you see yourself as someone who's always going to get hurt, you're just waiting for people to hurt you. So every relationship in your life, you're, you kind of put, push off people because you're just waiting for people to be hurt because that's just the way it's always been. 
Because you behave in a way that is consistent with how you see yourself. Let me, let me prove it to you in Scripture. So, uh, Proverbs 23, 7. Look at this. As a man thinks in his what? In his heart. So what? So is he. So is he. See, what Gideon doesn't realize is the perception of himself was about to be getting in the way of his purpose. God had a purpose for him. The whole reason God created Gideon was for this purpose, for, for this moment. And he was about to miss it. How I many you know insecurity is the ultimate insult to God? When you tell God you're not good enough, you just insulted him because who made you? <laughs> Think about that. The God who made you, equipped you, and called you, and you tell him, no, I can't do that. That is the biggest insult to God. Because he's the one that put the talents, the giftings, and he is never going to call you to do something that he's not also going to equip you to do it. So anytime you feel this urge like, oh, I don't know if I can do that, just know if God called you, then you can do it. Y'all with me here? And so look at what happens. Well, we'll get to that in just a minute. Write this last one down. The enemy will use your insecurity to stop your destiny. The enemy will use your insecurity to stop your destiny. Here's how it, here's how it kind of plays out. <clears throat> the Israelites survived the Midianites. But if you go and you read in, the, in some of the scriptures that, that we skipped... You're going to see that even though they've survived the Midianites, the Midianites have, have, have destroyed their confidence. They have absolutely zero confidence in themselves anymore. They think that they'll just be that. That's why actually they cried out to God because they just couldn't, they couldn't win. And so they're in this place where they have no confidence in, in, in anything that they can do. And I'm going to tell you, this is how the enemy works. The enemy will attack your heart. Not because he's just attacking your heart, but he's attacking the purpose and the destiny that's on your life. Because he knows if he can get your heart down and if he can get you to lose hope, then, then you've lost your purpose for what God actually has for you to do. Y'all with me here? So if God's got a calling and a plan on your life, the enemy is going to come and bring every assortment. Come on. How many know the, all the flood that comes on, all the stuff that's happened over these past couple of weeks? How many know that once you want to get your hopes down? You want to get your head down? And the enemy is going after your purpose more than he is just going after anything else. He wants you to just stop. He just wants you to give up. That you get to a place where you go, I just don't care anymore. I don't want to try anymore. I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And he's after your purpose. Because every single one of you, including myself, have a purpose on this earth. And I'm telling you right now, you will never live until you live on purpose. And the enemy is after your purpose. And here's why he's after your purpose. Because your purpose affects other people's purpose. And when you don't fulfill your purpose, other people don't fulfill theirs. Let me ask you this question. What would have happened if Gideon did not go? Think about that. Gideon was going to be the answer to the Israelites. If you fast forward, Gideon does go. He does actually respond to what God wants to do. We'll get to that in just a minute. But Gideon doesn't know that he's the answer to Israel's prayers. Hey, I want you to listen to me very closely, and we're going to wrap all this up. You are the answer to someone's prayers. 
And you not dealing with the insecurity in your heart is not only stifling your destiny, but it may be stopping somebody else's because they're waiting on you to get free so that you can help them get free. Y'all with me here? I mean, listen, how many of you are thankful for Pastor Bubba and Miss Tracy saying yes to come to our Savior's church in Jennings? Amen? What if they wouldn't have? Where would you be? No, listen to me very closely here. Where would you be? I believe God's sovereign enough, and he probably would have put other things in other ways, but who knows? How many of you are glad that they said yes? I'm glad they said yes. I'm very glad they said yes. So here's the question. How many people are waiting on you to say yes? How many people are waiting for you to go, hey, we need some more people to start life groups? And they go, oh, I can't do that. I can't talk to people about Jesus. I can't leave that. I can't do that in my house. I can't. Well, I wonder how many people in your area are just waiting for you to say, yes, I'll do one. Y'all with me here? I wonder how many people are waiting for you to respond in whatever God is calling you to do. There are people right now waiting on you to say yes. I'm telling you right now. There is, I, when I get to heaven, I want to be able to bring a whole host of people with me. Y'all with me here? I don't want to go by myself. It's not fun just going by myself. I want to bring the party with me. So I want to be able, to, at the end of my life, I want to know that I left a legacy. That what I did lasted for generations and generations to come. But listen, if you can't get over your insecurity, you'll ruin your destiny. God's got a destiny for each and every one of you, but it starts with us overcoming our insecurities. And how many know the enemy will use your history to inform your insecurity? And so he'll tell you, you can't do this because this is what you did. And you can't do this because this is what your parents said about you. And you can't do this because of this and this. And you fill in the blank. And how many know our insecurities are fed by a lot of our history? You got hurt, things happen, and so you have these insecurities there. But what would it look like if you saw yourself the way God sees you? Man, what would we be able to do? That's my prayer today more than anything. Look at verse 16. I don't know what happened, and I don't know how long this dialogue went between the angel and between Gideon. But Gideon, at, at some point, finally had a connection. And he got past his insecurities, and he began to step into this identity of man of valor and judge judges six sixteen says and the lord said to him but i will be with you we could just put a period right there honestly and say does it really matter what else he says really i mean does it really matter what else goes on beyond that hey man of valor, i want you to go do this uh, i don't know how to do it i'll be with you okay well then let's go <laughs> I mean, really, that's all you kind of need. But he actually gives him some more. He says, I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. I wish you would see yourself as how God sees you. My prayer as we as we progress as a church and as our church grows and as we go into this season of our church where people are coming, I just I want you to hear me. You. We've got to overcome the insecurities in our own lives because other people are waiting on us. You are the answer to people's prayers. 
And so it can't just be all about you. Notice when God says, okay, you're going to step out, mighty man of valor. You're going to go deliver these people. Notice where Gideon's first, what his eyes focus on. What do his eyes focus on? Me. I'm the least. I'm the smallest. I'm the weakest. But what if when God calls you, instead of you going, I, 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 you say, God, whatever you want, if you think I can do it, let's go for it. How many know at the end of your life, you don't want to live in regrets with the wish, wish I could have, should have? How many know you don't want to do that? At the end of your life, you want to know that you risked big for God. God, I gave you everything that I had. I gave it all to you. That's my prayer tonight is that you would see yourself as God sees you and that you would listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and allow him to heal the insecurities and for him to remind you that you are a mighty woman of valor, a mighty man of valor. I don't care what anybody has said over you. This is how God sees you. Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads all across this room? And this is, this is the prayer that we are praying over our church is that God help us to deal with the way we see ourselves and help us to see you and see us as you see us. God, we pray right now, God, that you would open up hearts, open up eyes. I pray, God, that in this moment, every person that's in this room that needs to see themselves as you see them. God, those who have battled with lies for so many years that they were insufficient, that they were not enough, that they were the least. God, I pray tonight that you would remind us yet again, Lord, that our strength comes from you. And that if you've called us, you will equip us. God, I pray tonight, Lord, that you would deal with the deficiencies in our own heart. God, maybe for some people in here, they've been praying that you would change their circumstances, but they haven't been praying that you would change them. And tonight, our prayer is that you would change us. Search me and know my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. That's what David prayed. And that's our prayer tonight, God, that you would search us. You would search us. God, I pray tonight that you would unlock destinies, that you would, as you show people how you see them, God, that they would be the answer to other people's prayers. Just as other people have been answers to their prayers. Tonight, I pray that you would speak. And I want to do this with just all heads bowed. If you would say, you know what, I've I've been praying that God would change my circumstances. I really haven't been praying that God would change me. And tonight, I'm changing that prayer. I'm changing that prayer. Not that God would fix everything going on around me, but that God would give me perspective to see things the way he sees them. If that's you in this place, I want you to stand right where you are. It's right there. those who are standing, I want you to just just stay right there. For those that are in here and, and if you were honest, 
God has been tugging on your heart to do something. But you've been giving him every excuse in the book on why you shouldn't do it. And a lot of it, honestly, has been based out of even your own insecurities, your own inadequacies. You don't feel qualified or maybe just flat out disobedience. You just don't want to do it. But tonight you're realizing God is putting that right back on your heart again. And you want to respond today, though, in obedience. If that's you, would you stand? Okay. Thank you. Now I want you to lift your hands right there where you are for all those that are standing. If you're, if you're seated by somebody, would you just kind of stretch your hands towards them? If, if maybe you're close to them and you want to go by them and pray over them, that's, that's perfectly fine as well. <clears throat> but we want to minister to all those that are standing today. We don't want you to leave this place with unresolved hurts, unresolved issues. We want you to walk out of this place free. And so, Father, we pray right now, Lord, over every single person that is standing. God, we speak right now against the lie of the enemy over their heart and their soul. What the enemy has meant to take out in them, God, we pray right now you'd put back in. Where there's insecurity, I pray there would be security. Where there is fear, I pray that there would be peace. God, where they have lost hope, I pray that you would instill hope. God, we pray right now, Lord, for your people, that they would see you the way that you see them, loved, beloved, cherished. God, I pray, Lord, the value that you have in them would be instilled in them tonight, God. I pray that over them. God, I pray right now, Lord, for every person that has has given an excuse, maybe given, Lord, uh, all these reasons why they don't need to obey, but God, yet you have been lovingly tugging on their heart and soul to step out and to step up. And today, God, I pray that you would give them the courage and the boldness. I pray that you would remind them that you are with them. You are with them. You are not calling them to fight for anything that you are not fighting with them with. I pray, God, right now you would encourage them, strengthen them. And God, I pray, Lord, as they walk in the obedience of God, Lord, maybe it's in their finances. Maybe it's in their marriage. Maybe it's in a relationship. God, maybe they need to step out and go forgive somebody. Maybe they need to step out and go go extend a hand of, of invitation of friendship to someone that they haven't wanted to. God, I don't know what it is, but God, you know what it is and they know what it is. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would help them, encourage them, and strengthen them tonight. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, 